Less Than 2000, the podcast. So, man, I guess this would officially count as like the first ever like bonus episode of Less Than 2000. As we've been letting people know, we're going to be coming back, adding live elements, a, a, a new format. And so this is kind of like to tide us over, to to get everybody to still remember how great the show is while they painfully wait for us to actually come back and do the show. Well, very good. So why don't why don't you tell everybody what the wait is all about? Uh it's your fault, bro. It's my fault. <laughs> I I'm producing content every week, man. I'm so- <laughs> It's not my fault. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So you want me to be the one to like, you know, come across as like narcissistic because I'm making my first feature film. I'm making my directorial debut as a feature filmmaker and you wanted me to say it rather than just pointing blame at me. I see how it is. So everybody, that's that's what it is. We're getting ready to shoot our film soon. And uh but I cannot wait to be back doing this every single week with my best lifelong friend Adam word and uh I have missed this and, and and it's no longer a podcast ladies and gentlemen get it out of your head that this is a podcast this is a show this is an I'm experience not- this is bigger than a show You're this right. is an experience the that, less than that walks experience. you through nostalgic gasms on everything before the 2000s hit <laughs> now this was your idea. You randomly called or texted me uh, a while ago saying, we need to do a bonus episode. I'm itching to do a bonus episode. I just watched a certain movie, and I got shit to say, is what you said. So is that an I don't even. I don't even. I don't even know if I said that to that full extent. I think I literally just said, I got shit to say, man. So, do you want to do this or not? And you, of course, said, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, why? like, I've been waiting for you to get away from your stupid movie to come and, like, you know, do an episode together. Yeah, so, yeah. But, yeah, I was I was sitting around. I, You know, obviously, you know, unless you didn't read the title because this is on autoplay, you know this is about true romance. But I, I hadn't seen wait, that wait, movie. Wait, 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 wait. True romance? You, you yeah. were talking about the Christian Slater movie from the early 90s? Yeah, and I, I said, I said, yo, man, I got shit to say. And about, I said, uh, about, about true romance. No, you said Cuffs. We were no. talking about the movie Cuffs, where Christian Slater cuffs? plays what the, the I mean, Yes, I want to do Cuffs, but why would I say cu- I said true romance. And then you I said even, true romance? I said true oh, romance. Did you think we were doing Cuffs, bro? I thought we were doing Cuffs. Like, I love that movie. I Actually, I don't remember if I love that movie or not. I remember liking it when we were young, but... I so so we're not doing cuffs. We're doing true romance. We're doing. No, we're it. absolutely doing true true romance because oh. because we love Tarantino growing up, and he yes. wrote it. Okay, mm-hmm. and and I got shit to say, man. That's why I said like I want to talk about true romance. So, no, do you have funny. any clue? Did you did you pull any of it up at all? I to- did. Fortunately, you and I talked about this just the. D- Just two days before this, I was getting ready to do an episode on Cuffs because literally that's what I thought you meant. And for people who don't know, Cuffs is with a K, K K-U-F-F-S, and that was a cop, a buddy cop PG-13 movie with with Christian Slater. 
in about 93 or so. And and so that's what I thought we were doing. And it wasn't until he said, no, true romance. And I, I literally would have prepared for the wrong thing if we wouldn't have had that conversation two days ago. The funny thing so, is, if it was, in fact, you know, Cuffs, I wouldn't have had to prepare because I ultimately really liked that movie. And I think I just saw it uh, maybe six months or a year ago. So I wouldn't yeah. have needed to prepare True romance, I needed to prepare, because I think it's been literally since the 90s, since since I'd seen that movie. I, I can't believe that we... I'm actually surprised that you... This is not a movie that you and I had in our heavy rotation, because we both loved Quentin Tarantino. Right behind you is a Reservoir Dogs poster, literally right behind you. And um, Pulp yes. Fiction, of course, was a life-changing movie. Jackie Brown was incredible. We yep. both loved um, uh, Natural Born Killers, which he oh, also yeah. wrote, which Quentin Tarantino also wrote. But for whatever reason, True Romance was not one of the movies that you and I ever watched together growing up. And no. I find that very surprising, given our love for Tarantino and that type of movie. I mean, I gotta be honest, I don't even remember us talking about it like not i I mean it's one thing like we watched all these movies together but we talked about a lot of other movies that we may not have seen together Mm -hmm. i don't even remember having a conversation about true romance with you at all this is our first conversation ever about this movie i'm actually kind of excited about it because seriously we didn't watch it growing up i i remember I must have seen it in the early 90s when it first came out one time. And then about I, I sometime in college, like the early 2000s, I watched a couple select scenes, which we will talk about because they're the ones that everyone probably remembers from this movie. But that's it. I, I And then I watched it last night. That's it. Twice in my whole life have I watched it all the way through, including last night. And we never talked about it. This is our first ever conversation. It's just baffling to me that this one kind of... I don't know, fell through the cracks of our friendship somehow. I don't know. That 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 is surprising to me because of our affinity for Tarantino. Yeah. And, and 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 good movies in general. It had everything that you want. It's got the love story, it's got sex, it's got violence, it's got it's got the classic Tarantino tropes. And it, it also, you know, at the, the, this this time this came out, we were very much into the hood movies, and it's got a little bit of those elements too. The, you know, I I don't understand, I don't understand why we kind of, I don't want to say missed it because we both saw it, but like why this just wasn't on our collective radar, like our friend movie. Like I know. how many times did we watch Natural Born Killers together? Dozens. Oh, oh, dozens of times. I mean, yeah. I mean that. I mean, I'll, I mean, yeah. That's that's insane. Well, what's funny is what what made me actually think of this. Not to bring it back to me and and all that stuff as a film director now, but okay. I was actually talking with my with my casting director about cinema and true romance came up, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, I love that movie." And I'm like, "I love that movie." It, you know, and like you said, it had everything, and we should have talked about this forever ago because it's got sex and drugs and violence and and it, and like you said the the fun wittiness of Tarantino so I'm like I have got to watch this again and I sat and I watched it and when the credits rolled my first thought was I got to text Adam because I went this is it this is the movie that I remember liking so much I'm like I've reached a point where I'm either I'm either turning into my parents and getting fucking old, mm. which I am, or 
shit's not appealing to me anymore because I watched this and I'm like, this is this. It felt so rudimentary. It felt like, okay, woo bag of a bag of drugs. You know, we're in love mm. and they're on the, and there's going to be sex and there's going to be these amazing, you know, weird things that Tarantino does. And then it's going to get hyper racist out of nowhere. And then it's yeah. going to, and it was like, <laughs> this, it had all of the elements of Tarantino that I love. And I still, I watched Pulp Fiction not too long ago. Still love that movie. Oh yeah. True Romance did not do it for me. Really? It felt outdated, which fine, but but even beyond that, because you can still watch a lot of his other movies today and they're amazing. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's because he just wrote it or if something happened in the direction of it, but it was, I mean, a very famous director. But I'm mm-hmm. watching this going, this was what art, like the creme de la creme of independent or, or you know, young cinema was right that year that everybody remembers. And I'm like, that's it? So I don't know. That's mm. why I said I got shit to say because I don't know what's happened to me, man. I feel like I'm going nuts over here <laughs> because all of a sudden everything that I loved, I'm starting to not love and hate. Like it's happened. <laughs> it's happened like four times in in season two point you know, in season two point like four different times. I've been getting texts from my own mother saying, "Yeah, I listened to the last episode." Wow, you're turning into your parents. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm still, I still revere art. Like, don't put me in that category. But I'm mm. seeing a theme, and I think I need help. <laughs> I, I don't know if you need help. I mean, you said it in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air reunion episode. If you feel the same way at 40 as you did when you were 13, there's a problem. You have grown up. You have gotten a lot more domestic. You're married. You're a homeowner. You live in the Oh, burbs. don't 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 put my, my domesticated self into that. I mean, you know. But so are you, man. You, you have, you're a, you're a homeowner now. I'm a homeowner, but I'm very much a swinging D bachelor, and I am very much a, a single guy in every sense of the word. I mean, I'm the guy who's talking to you with David Lynch posters on my wall and Frozen right next to it too. So I mean, there's a there's, a, there's quite a bit of stuff I've got to work out in my personality. I, I mean, not- I want I mean, if I could live in for even an hour in your head and just see the the manic swings that go from like Lost Highway to Frozen, I, I think <laughs> I'd love to be a fly on that wall inside there. It's and by it's the way, insane. I thought of another reason why people should be excited about video. My reaction to what you said a minute ago got you, made you laugh because I was like dumbfounded by the frozen comment. And, uh, (laughs) you know, so it'll be worth, it'll be worth tuning in live when people can see our reactions to each other. Yes. (laughs) You know, looking at each other, like, are you serious, bro? Like you saying that? (laughs) So I, so here's the thing. I I appreciate what you said there. And I, I'm trying to, I really don't have, uh, I'm really trying to sort out my own feelings for this film because I think it is one of the movies that when I watched it, even at that age, it didn't leave a major impression. It did not leave the impression that a Reservoir Dogs or a Pulp Fiction left. Uh, And so, and it just wasn't one of my core movies. Um, But when I went back and watched it, you know, 20 years later, 30, almost 30 years later now, I was like, 
you know what? It was kind of like finding a hidden gem. I think I had the opposite reaction that you did where you, you looked at it. It's like, this is it. This is what it was, it was like the cutting edge of cool at the time where I went back and watched it as, as like, wow, this is better than I thought it was. This is better than I gave it credit for. And just the fact that there are so many actors that I didn't know. I, who knew who James Gandolfini was in 1993? True. I, I don't even think, I think when I saw it in college, like, Sopranos was just getting started, or I wasn't into it yet. Like, I'm not even sure I knew who he was when I was 18 or 19, you know what I mean? Like, so so to see James Gandolfini in the early 90s basically play a precursor to Tony Soprano was a real treat. And boy, do I have a story about that scene. It's just this is going to well, be a random it, episode. There's no no no. It's great, but before so before you get into that scene, yeah, I just it dawned on me. It hit me just mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I've known you thirty years now, but I'm just coming to this realization. Since you, I'll start with me rather than you know people are like point the finger at yourself before pointing the finger at somebody else. So like I was wowed by a lot of shit. You know, growing yeah. up and be like, oh, my God, the movies, you know, like, it's great. I want to be a filmmaker. Yeah. Like, so mm-hmm. I probably watched True Romance and fucking loved it as a kid. You, mm-hmm. on the other hand, always reserved. You needed to earn a place in Adam's heart for, That's for right. cinema. <laughs> so so I can see now flash forward 30 years. Mm. I remember loving it. You remember like, eh. So you you were underwhelmed. I was overwhelmed how great it was. So now watching it, you're coming up into like, okay, maybe I hated a little too much on it. And I'm yeah. going, I clearly loved this way too much. Like interesting. It actually fits our personalities pretty it much does. to a T. That's in interesting. This one. It, it, that's funny. And I and I never hated it. It just wasn't like in the because when you compare it. When you compare True Romance, which is different, which is off the beaten path from a regular action or a regular drama movie, it is different. It it does have that film noir quality. It does have that sort of throwback to the kung fu movies, and they very much reference those things. Uh, the, The Japanese shooter movies like The Killer and so forth. So it is it is weird. It is Quentin Tarantino, but compared to his other works, compared to Pulp Fiction, and the non-linear storytelling of a Pulp Fiction and, 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 and the following different people around, then it all falls into place. The non-linear storytelling of Jackie Brown, the non-linear storytelling of, of think of how stylized and weird and fucked up Natural Born Killers was compared oh. to this. And when yeah. you look at this, it is really when it, when you look at this, it is a boy meets girl. There's a drug killing, drug robbery, and and the mob is after him kind of story. It is extremely straightforward, and it is extremely oh, yeah. like a, a bland by comparison. Uh, y- you know, and so that's probably why it didn't stick with me, and why it never really, it, like you said, you got to earn my respect. And so, so when I when I went into it, kind of under underrating it, underestimating last night, and then it was better than I remembered. It was like, wow, this is actually something to it, and just the fact that, like, you know, uh, Gary Oldman. I'm not sure. 
I didn't know who Gary Oldman was, or I wasn't really familiar with how great of an actor he is. Gary Oldman has to be one of the greatest character actors of this generation. I mean, is he oh, on yeah. the level of a of a Leonardo DiCaprio, of a Christian Bale? No, he's not a leading man in that sense. But fuck! Like, I remember seeing his name in the credits and then being like, well, where was Gary Oldman? And then I had to be, it had to be the white pimp. It had to be, because who else could it possibly be? And it was, and it's like, he is so versatile. He is such an insane talent with such a broad range that it blew me away. I mean, uh, you know, that's the kind of person, uh, Michael Rappaport, there's just this, this whole ensemble cast uh, I guess, you know, you appreciate more because at the time they were just actors, but now you look back at them with 27 years later, 28 years later, and you're like, wow, there are so many big name actors in this. Playing well, yeah. little parts. Brad no, Pitt was no, the guy exactly. on the couch. I mean, the director, the director was a very famous director. I mean, and, and, yes. and obviously Tarantino was, uh, you know, was amazing. You know, it, so it had the makings of being like the thing everybody would have wanted to be a part of. I mean, that, that it has the makings of the kind of movie that you're like, I will take the one liner. I'm okay with that. This would have been a much more Quentin Tarantino esque movie, except for the fact that Tony Scott, the director chose not to take it in that direction. The original script of this was very much a Quentin Tarantino esque nonlinear storytelling it, really? it was all yes it was apparently all over the place had different you know timelines different characters and then it all fell into place like basically every quentin tarantino movie ever you know yeah. they follow all these different people around it doesn't make sense you don't know what the timeline is and then it all falls into place with like one critical scene or something or then you see the flashback so like or, all the stuff with like the dad could have been in one section all the stuff of them getting the drugs or the romance could be in one section. You could break that down and move things around basically. Yeah. Rather yeah. Than stringing it together in a, instead in a of an A fashion. to B story. T- exactly. So, so, so it was, the script was much different. And another way that it was very different was, uh, he dies at the end. Clarence dies in the Quentin Tarantino version. And, and so it had that very sad, tragic ending to it. Um, but Quentin Tarantino said, okay, the version that you made, Tony Scott, the version with the, the more straightforward way was, that was the right choice. Quentin Tarantino did say he approved of him living, giving the story as it was told by Tony Scott. Now, Tony Scott was, first of all, the brother of Ridley Scott, Ridley Scott, who did all the great um, science fiction, like Alien oh, and Blade wow. Runner. Well, no, yeah. Amazing but, director. But but Tony Scott is no slouch himself. How about the movie, a little movie you might have heard of, Top Gun? Uh, what? He directed <laughs> Top Gun in 1986. Yeah. He also directed uh, Days of Thunder, the La- the Last Boy Scout with that that great movie with uh, yeah, Bruce I love Willis. that movie. Well, at least and, I I think I still love that movie. I obviously have to go back. And I, watch I, I want to do I want to do Last Boy Scout sometime. And then then he would go on to do Crimson Tide and An Enemy of the State. Tony Scott, so he was a great director. Amazing director, but he did all the big, big action cinema stuff. So this yes. this was that this was almost too art house for him. 
it just goes to show you that you're right. He was like this big action movie guy and he did this little art house movie and, and everybody wanted to be in it. All these Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken, Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Rappaport, James Gandolfini, Chris Penn, Tom Sizemore. It goes on and on and on. Everybody wanted to be in this movie and it tanked. You would think with a cast like that alone, it would do well. Budget tanked. A budget of 12.5, domestic box office of 12.3. Can you oh. imagine this movie only making 12 million in the domestic box? No. No, that's With more a, sh- a that's more shocking than me not liking it. It really is. Like if you really break it down because I remember this being the thing that everybody talked about in the industry. I mean, mm-hmm. I wasn't in the industry then, but everybody always references it. I always That's why I went back and watched it because everybody always talks about it. It's a cult classic. It's now, you know, obviously it became a cult classic. Uh, but, you know, and Christian Slater was was big at the time. You know, he was big in the late 80s, early 90s. This is before he fell off the face of the earth. The scene with James Gandolfini and Patricia Arquette in the hotel room. Okay? Oh, yes. There, whew, that was intense. Very, very, very intense. Great acting. Oh, my God, the acting was so good. The way she has her glasses on. And then, and, and, and Axel kind of like tough and nothing phases her. But when she takes those glasses off, you can just see the terror and, and the way she, she's like, turn, he's like, turn around, spin around for me. No, turn the other way. And then just punches her. Um, oh God. So that scene was very uncomfortable. And, um, this is the story I wanted to get in. Tony Scott was directing her. And, and he couldn't find her, her place. And he asked for she said He said, you want my help? And she said, yes. And he straight up punched her. Sorry, slapped her. Tony Scott, the director, slapped Patricia Arquette in the face and made her cry. And that's how he got the scene out of her. Can you imagine doing that in today's No, age? no. <laughs> I couldn't imagine doing it then. Like, what? <laughs> Just like... Do you want my help? Yes. Yeah. Bam. What? Like wow. that's That's hardcore. That is hard that is that's pretty method. James Gandolfini checked into a seedy hotel and didn't shower for days before that to like get into character and really like because he, he's super method as you probably know. Like oh, yeah. he is always in character. Uh in everything he does. So so what an what an amazing scene by two just legends of acting really. And Patricia Arquette was one of those people that I didn't really appreciate growing up. And I've come to really appreciate how, how quality she's a great actress. I mean, so talented, so talented and, and, and beautiful of course. And, and, and did a lot with a role that quite frankly, there's not a lot to do with. She doesn't have a lot of agency. She is the narrator of the story, but she's just kind of like the girl, you know what I mean? And Alabama, and um, she, she's, you know, she, women really aren't written like that anymore. Like uh, no. the script today, she'd have to be way more empowered and way have way more agency in the story. Um, well, good. This, I mean, as, she's as, the as damsel it should in be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as it you should know, be. <laughs> by the way, going back and listening, as I like to do during our hiatus, is going back and listening to our old stuff. The buzzword, if you want to take a drink, I've gotten much better at not saying you know all the time, but the one word I do repeat all the time is absolutely. So every time I say absolutely, you can take a drink. 
and see how fast you get. So that's your new drinking game for season two. Every time I say absolutely, you still say I know a lot, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm trying to stop saying but. Yeah, it's it's however now because but is too. It's like too contradictory, whereas however is like let me present another side. <laughs> I okay. The last thing I kind of want to get to is what is with the casual racism in Quentin Tarantino movies from this era? Like, what is it? How- Wait, from this era? So I, I apologize for cutting you well, off, but he's done that. Not just this era. It's throughout the decades. But but here's my point. In, in uh, somewhat in Reservoir Dogs, Certainly in Pulp Fiction, certainly in True Romance, and and in Jackie Brown, straight up racism by white people saying the N-word. And it's not just like, here's my point in it. Like, how did he get away with it? Because everybody remembers, I think the most famous scene in this movie, and we've got to talk about it because people will be wanting to hear us talk about this, the Sicilian scene. The oh, best yeah. scene in the movie when, when Christopher Walken comes in and interrogates Dennis Hopper. Oh, I mean, by far, when he's like, when he, when he's like, can I get a cigarette? And he's sitting there, and it—that is the best game of cat and mouse for two actors. Uh, wow, it's so good. And and just the, I that that made the whole experience worth watching, because you're watching two of the most incredible performers just toy with each other and i will say that also kept a lot of tarantino's writing i believe you could tell Mm -hmm. and so there was that made that made the movie if you really think about it Mm -hmm. It, it it did it did and that that is one of those scenes that like you go back and watch because it's so well remembered that's okay the, the 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 hotel scene that scene and then the the big standoff at the end Balky, by the way, I just got to throw this in. I can't believe Balky was in it. Uh, a Bronson pen <laughs> shot. I mean, the Balky from Perfect Strangers was yeah. like, was awesome that he got that role and got that part and and had that 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 fun little. I mean, he in many ways is sort of an antagonist that caused everything to happen at the end. That's besides the point. How did Quentin Tarantino have a career given everything? Because. Here's what I'm saying. In that that scene where Dennis Hopper is dropping the N-bomb and basically saying Sicilians are are black people and that's bad and that you are your 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 genes were watered down by the Moors mixing with your bloodline and sleeping with all the Italian women, the Sicilian women and 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 like and that, and that, and the the fact that he called him a, a black person essentially is what set Christopher Walken off to the point where he killed him personally. Where he said, "I haven't killed someone since 1984," because it was such an insult for him to be compared to a black person. And 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 then think about Pulp Fiction and just the casual use of of the N word and and by Quentin Tarantino himself in that scene. Do I yeah, have a sign in front it. of myself that says dead yeah, storage? Yeah, we don't, need, yeah, we don't need to repeat this on this show. <laughs> How did... And the thing is, Dennis Hopper was like the good guy in that scene. Like that was his way of kind of 
getting some comeuppance in this of like of, of one upping Christopher Watkins character by saying, you know, you're a dirty black person, basically. Yeah, How you know, it's, it's funny now, now that now that we're recounting the scene. I almost feel a little embarrassed saying that made the movie worth watching because <laughs> like that, that's some really horrible shit. It's a good scene. I mean, it doesn't diminish the fact the acting and everything you said was great. True. But, and I'm not saying, look, I am not the morality police and I'm not trying to, sure, but, but sure. here's the thing. This isn't like when we talked about Eddie Murphy raw, Eddie Murphy had the, the, he was doing comedy Comedy is an incendiary, offensive thing in, in many, totally. many ways. And, and he could always say, I was making a joke. Quentin Tarantino's white characters that do this stuff are portrayed as cool. Are portrayed as, you know, cool within the, not necessarily good guys, but they are portrayed, you know, everything Quentin Tarantino did was hip. That was the word. Like, everybody thought he was hip and is cutting that, Is that what young. it was in the 80s and 90s? Hip? Yeah, he was hip. That Tarantino's I mean, a hip kind of guy. I mean, that's what, like, <laughs> Entertainment Weekly or, you know, E! Or, they or used e Network. Hip. I, I just, I, you, Entertainment they used Tonight. Hip. They would say hip. Oh, absolutely. That, that would have been a word that would have been applied to Quentin Tarantino in the early 90s. Hip. Okay. He's a hip director with a hip sensibility. Because, remember... At that time, everything was the 70s. Everything, they were bringing back the 70s. So that was the 70s word. They're bringing back sure. the 70s word. Because he was so embarked. But So everything was cool and stylized. But, you, you know, it's not like Django Unchained where, you know, the bad racist got killed. It's like Dennis Hopper was the good guy. I, I'm sure he's taken flack for it over the years. I'm sure he's I, had I believe to make he apologies has. and stuff. I, I believe he has. I mean, he... he I have heard interviews where he claims that the offensiveness of it is to prove a cringeworthy point of how bad it is. Now, it's really easy to say that now, 20 years later, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, as a as a really good excuse. And like you said, it was different. That would never fly today. Like there there's no way that ever gets out today, period. You but I, but I guess how I'm saying is how it's portrayed in that particular scene is it's not how bad it is. It's not the bad guy saying it. It's an innocent cop or a former cop or whatever who's just had his son come and visit him and and is is tortured and killed for it. And and he's saying something like right before he dies to just give him the middle finger because he knows he's fucked. Mm-hmm. He's not a bad character. He's not a bad guy. No. And same thing with Quentin Tarantino in 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 in, in Pulp Fiction. He's a nerd. He assort he associates with criminals, obviously. Yeah. But he's not like a bad guy. He's not. True. I, I don't know. So so yeah. how did? It's just interesting how times change. It's interesting I how he yeah, survived. Yeah, I just that. I thought about that. I I have no idea. I was watching that scene, going how how. I, I mean, and again, is it? How? I don't even know how that gets... I don't know how that flies then. <laughs> I mean, it was still the 90s. Like, yeah. it wasn't that long ago. It was just the 90s. It yeah. was just the 90s. It was and, the and tail end of, of what we consider greatness. A few years yeah. later, the world goes to hell. So, like, <laughs> that's how recent it was. Samuel Jackson gave him a pass for many years saying that Quentin Tarantino wrote black dialogue better than a lot of black writers. 
But I would understand that in the scene with, you know, Samuel L. Jackson and Chris Tucker and Jackie Brown. Okay, they can drop the N-bomb all they want. Yeah. But when it's like Robert De Niro saying it, it's a whole different thing. Whole different ballgame. <laughs> and it should have been a whole different ballgame when Tarantino himself said it in Pulp Fiction as the nerdy guy in a robe with a cup of coffee. <laughs> this is this one will remain a mystery because yeah, right. I, I see both sides of the coin. You know, I see I see why it would get a pass and I see why it should never have gotten a greenlit to begin with. So I, I see both sides. Chime in, everybody. We've gone to all this length to bring you a bonus episode during Chad's, you know, pre-production schedule. We, you know, we don't have the answer. We're looking for you for your opinion. Chime in on social media. Let us know what you think about all of this. Was True Romance a good movie? Uh, do you like it? Was it? Do you like it more now? Did you like it better in the day? And and talk about the racism, the homophobia, and and just you know Quentin Tarantino's style in general. And, and let us know what you think, please. We don't have all the answers. We, if you believe it or not, we're trying to goat you. We're trying to to needle you, especially me, into into getting under your skin to actually get a fucking reaction out of you people. Oh, whoa, whoa! You really are dropping the. Uh the the f bombs and the curse words today, man. But Bonus yes, episode. but yes. <laughs> um, chime in. Um, I'm not going to repeat everything Adam just said because uh, his energy was so through the roof that uh, I could never top that. So yeah, chime in. Good luck on your shoot, bro. We can only hope that this is going to be another true romance or something like that. I'm hoping for something a little bit better than that. <laughs> I don't know, man. Even even twelve million on uh, twelve and a half million on, on your budget I know would be a pretty big fucking success. <laughs>